You are listening to the Tenuto Podcast, presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! It's another Tuesday. We've got another podcast for you. This is the Tenuto Podcast, where we are becoming our full value as music teachers. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And man, has it been a good week. It's been a hectic week, it's been a crazy week, but I am finding some successes out there, so things are going pretty good. I'm having a good time. I'm getting really involved in the community. I'm playing more gigs and I'm I'm doing my best to network. I've been coaching. I just got a gig coaching lacrosse. Um and we're doing well, so that's nice. And I think something that people preach to you in college is that networking is really key and getting to know people. My student teaching co-op, Chad McCartney, he was on episode three, I think, told me that every job he's gotten was because he knew someone. And while I guess that was kind of true for this job that I'm in now, it, I think networking is really, really key. Um, not only to, to getting jobs and stuff, but I mean, just to just to being happy. I mean, knowing people in your community and feeling like you're a part of the community is such a good feeling. I came down to Virginia from New Jersey, and I literally knew one person in the area. And now I walk around and I played a gig at a musical and I had a bunch of people come up to me, students and, and parents, and they were like, hey, Mr. Lynch, how's it going? And that's just that's a really nice feeling. Especially for someone who came not knowing a single person down here. So networking has been pretty nice. Just trying to get involved in the community. People tell me that I'm doing too much for free. Um, I'm, I, I, I give a lot of my time to do things for free. Like I play a lot of free gigs and I didn't get paid to coach basketball and things like that. But, I mean, these are all things that I'm finding fulfillment in, and I don't think I necessarily need to get paid to feel like I'm, I'm making a difference or to feel like I should stop doing something. Being paid isn't important to me right now. Um, I'm sure when I have a family, things like that will be more important, but I'm paying the rent just fine, and the bills are fine, so that's something I don't have to worry about right now, which is nice. Um, and I'm just getting to meet new people. I'm getting new experiences. I'm finding I'm really liking coaching. And I've said that before. Coaching has really made me feel like I'm a better teacher. So I think those things go hand in hand. This week is also assessments for the middle schoolers. And uh, this is my first time doing assessments. I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. Not something I'm really thinking about too much, if I'm being honest with you. I think I know where each of my groups stand and I'm pretty confident that if they're playing the way that they're playing in the classroom every day it's going to reflect out on the stage and like I said I'm not nervous about it I I'm I'm lucky in the fact that I work with two other band directors who really know what they're doing so they really take a lot of stress off my back um speaking of assessments 
The guest I have on the show this week, Carly Sokol, just got back from her first assessment ever, where she received awesome ratings as a first-year teacher. Pretty unheard of how well she did, so it's pretty cool to get her on the show to pick her brain, and we both teach at, at a school called AG Wright, and at that school, we are both first-year teachers. We share an office, so here's my interview with Carly. I hope you enjoy it. All right, I have the A.G. Wright Strings Director, Carly Sokol, first-year teacher here, doing an interview on the Tenuto Podcast. Carly, thanks so much for coming on the show. Of course, I'm so happy to be here. So, on this podcast, you've got to meet a number of people I work with. You've met Enola Douglas, who's been like a big sister to me, and Catherine Presserin, who's been a big sister and a mentor to me. And now you're getting to meet Carly, who's basically like my twin, because we're both we're both first year teachers. Uh, we both teach at AG Wright together, and we're both going through really similar things, both teaching and outside of teaching, being adults for the first time, and it's it's pretty nice to have somebody to go through that together with you. And we got pretty lucky to be lined up together, so. It's really nice to have Carly on the podcast and kind of pick her brain a little bit and get her ideas out there. So, Carly, my first question for you is, what has been your biggest surprise about your first year? Um, well, lots of them. Uh, I guess my biggest surprise would be, well, you know, you expect that you're teaching. That's something you do during student teaching, and you learn it all four years of college, but the big shocker was all the administrative work, I'd say. Um, a lot of the paperwork and, you know, dealing with parents and um, just communicating with other people in the field. These are things that you don't get taught in the four years that you're in school. It's all teaching and education, and you're, you're so confident on that. And then all of a sudden, there's all this extra stuff to do that you don't know how to do, like even sending something to another school or, you know, fundraising or finances. And so that's been really just learning as I go from, you know, Catherine and Arlene and all the people there that are helping me. So that's probably my biggest surprise. Yeah, and even, like, buses. Even buses. Field trips. All the field trips that we go on. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do I how do I even do that? And you really... There needs to be a class on that in college. There like, should be some <laughs> sort of course about, um, you know, when you're not teaching, there's all this other stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like teaching sometimes is, like, 40%, and then there's all this yeah. other stuff. And um, I think in the beginning, it was it was hard to make sure that I was putting teaching before all of that, because that's really what the point is. But I think I've gotten better as I've gone along, so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's That's been a huge surprise for me, too. Just, like, even even meetings, like, the, the amount that they expect from teachers, it's a lot other than just teaching in the classroom. There's so much more. Uh, so... Besides your biggest surprise, okay, so the administrative work, that's a big surprise. What was your biggest struggle so far this year as a first-year teacher? Um, my biggest struggle, um, I'd have to say finding that balance with students between, you know, discipline and, mm. um, you know, not ma- making sure that you're not becoming, like, their friend friend because you don't want to ever you know be their friend and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that it's middle school and there's enough of an age gap and so it's not a big deal 
But um, definitely discipline is hard because you never really know if they're, like, punking you, you know, if they're pulling something over on you, like, oh, yeah, I have this pass. Like, that's why I'm late every day. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, that makes you want to kind of confirm with that teacher or find out more about your students and, and really figure out, hey, is this person trying to trick you or something or um, or not? So it's been a struggle there and, um, you know, not wanting to come off as mean, but, you know, needing them to understand that, you know, we're here to work at the same time. Like, I want you to have fun, but you need to work and, you know, just keeping them engaged and I think that's the key to not even having to discipline if they're just engaged the whole time and right. you're constantly doing something at a fast pace. Right. For for me, getting the kids engaged um, isn't always a problem because I'm, I'm really energetic, but I think a lot of the times when I'm teaching and I'm energetic, it creates a lot of problems with discipline because that's when they start acting out. And that that's kind of where it's like, for me, it's like a delicate balance of I'm trying to, to get them engaged, but also keep them calm. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. Because there are times where I want to, there's something funny that comes to my mind and I want to tell them. Or yeah. Or something yeah. is funny and, or there's like a little joke that I want to kind of put in there because it has to do with what we're doing. But then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is going to get them off track. Uh-huh. Just, just hold it. Just keep going mm-hmm. with your lesson. But at the same time, like, they enjoy that when they get the extra information or when exactly. they, they even, like, a little tidbit about your personal life, if you throw mm-hmm. that in there, um, they enjoy that and, you know, it's, but it's hard to get them back on track. And especially because yeah. our classes are really short right now. Yeah. Um, that's been a struggle. How do you react to questions like, how old are you? Honestly. When they try to get to know your personal life and things like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite a question, but... <laughs> Um, you know, with the age thing, I don't really see that as a big deal. I just say guess, and they just shout numbers out. And yeah. I, don't, I don't care if they know that mm-hmm. I'm 23. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, wow, you're 23. Like, to them, it's really old. So, yeah, whatever. They I, know. I used to say, like, don't worry about it. And that caused more problems than what it was worth. And yeah. so now I just tell them the answer, and they stop asking questions. Yeah, and then there's nothing else for them to bark about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So... We share an office, and I get to kind of see your classroom sometimes. I get to watch you get to teach. Conduct and... them sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes, like on my birthday, me and me and Carly switched classrooms, and she conducted my sixth grade band, and I conducted her orchestra. Mm-hmm. We just do little fun things like that. It's really fun. Just the benefit of working with your friend. Yeah, it's nice. Um, but one thing that you do that I really like is your composer of the month project and you do this every month right can you talk a little bit about that yeah um I've, i think i've done it every month i actually have to come up with someone new for this next month um and sometimes it's hard to keep up with because there's so much going on but i'm gonna keep doing it every month um so basically i pick a composer for that month and i pick a few students from each class who are assigned that composer and they have to present a little something on that composer on like the last Friday of their month or sometimes it ends up being Wednesday but um so they have like a little list of criteria that they need to include like um I should have had this prepared uh they have to find out their early life um information about you know later in life um they have to get an excerpt uh, a piece of music to play for the class like on YouTube or something so we can hear an example okay um they have to talk about how 
the composer was relevant to the time period and what genre or, you know, whether it was classical or Baroque, mm-hmm. what type of music, um, and a few other points that they have to hit. And then I, you know, kind of check these things off when they present them. And I let them kind of present it any way they want to. So it gives them some creativity. Yeah, because I've seen um, posters, but do they do other things? Yeah, they do prezzies, they do PowerPoints. I'm waiting for one group to do a skit one time. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm like trying to just see how creative I can get them to be with that. Maybe get them to do like a one of those wigs, like, you know? Yeah, well, like if I do, if we do Mozart or something. But um, it's cool because also I have the, the bulletin board in my room where I put the picture of the composer. Oh, and yeah. they can, if they make something, like, they can tack it up there on the wall. So that kind of, it feels like they're helping me decorate the room. And I actually have, have all their posters still, and I plan on hanging them all around the room. So it's like, oh, look, this is oh, a project that we did. Nice. They're not hung up yet, but I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. So that um, that's basically what we've been doing with the project so far. So every month it's like, yeah, like two or three kids from each class. And some of them really enjoy it. Some of them don't, <laughs> but <laughs> but they learn from it. Try they learn from it, and I you know I have a lot of things that I would change with what I'm doing it this year, but I do like the idea behind it because it's not typical to. I mean, it's really obvious that you're going to rehearse music, but I think it's important that they learn more about composers as well. And and I like that it gets them listening to other types of music, mm-hmm. too. Uh, with a lot of teachers that come on and I ask them about what they do in their classroom, a lot of teachers talk about like listening activities that they do. And this isn't necessarily a listening activity, but it does get them listening to different people. And I think that's really important in music education, just getting kids to listen to things other than what they normally listen to. Yeah, definitely. And on the, on the other hand, it's important to incorporate things that they do hear a lot on the radio because that also gets them excited in a different way. Like, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to do a pop cover of this Lady Gaga song. Yeah. You're going to have some excited middle schoolers. <laughs> um, you know, and we, I've seen that in your class. Uh-huh. And you're listening through all your music that you're thinking about doing. Yeah. Throwing some pop ones in there. I know I might yeah. do Shut Up and Dance. And you're thinking about doing some other fun ones. Uh, so. Bang, bang. Yeah. That, that'll be cool with band. Hmm, do you have any pop songs that you would never do with an orchestra? Like maybe that song, Work From Home? I would not do that song, Work From Home. Yeah, I don't know good. if I would. Hmm. I know I was, you know, trying to convince you to do that one, but I don't know. Yeah, for, for those of you listening who don't know the song, Work From Home, it's a horrible he song. He hates it. He's very against it. Um, it's played on the radio all the time, and the lyrics are terrible. They're terrible. And little middle school kids listen to them all the time. That's why these middle school kids are doing bad things. It's just one of those things that really <laughs> annoys Kevin. It's that song. Don't, don't even talk about that song around... Never mind. Don't even play that song yeah, around him. Yeah, thank you. Even though I'm going to very shortly. Yeah, whatever, Carly. Here's question number four. Okay, so, so you're talking about this Composer of the Month project. And I remember sitting in the office and you were telling me... Um, you like what you're doing now with it, but there's things you would do differently next year. And not just with the Composer of the Month project, but what are some things that you're already thinking about, okay, I did a good job with this, but I can make it better next year. What are, you, what are your plans for next year? Um, well, in relation to the Composer of the Month, mm-hmm. I didn't really think of any way to tie in all the composers at the end of the year, and that's something I could still do this year. Mm-hmm. 
But um, if I had told them earlier, like, hey, you can get extra credit if you do this with all the composers, or if you, maybe we'll take a pop quiz and we'll try to see if you remember things about each one, and whoever gets the highest will, you know, whatever. Something that has to do with tying them all together is what I would want to do for next year. And um, also kind of have them pre-selected so I don't have to, you know, remember to come up with who we're doing next. Um, so that's just with that project. Um, some other things that I found that I would kind of do differently are definitely give, like, parking spots for the instruments. Like, you, you had um, specific spots, and that's been, help, that, that's been helping with organization. And my room tends to get very disorganized. And you have a lot of kids. We have and a lot of kids and not enough storage yeah. right now. So um, working on that. Um, some other things. Oh, something I realized about particularly sixth graders is that they really do need you to explain and show them everything in a lot of detail. Because I gave out <laughs> practice logs and I thought, oh, here you go. Here's the directions. You still have to circle this and you have to write a paragraph about this. And then you tell me if you worked on tone or rhythm, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. I thought it was pretty straightforward. And it turns out it wasn't that straightforward. <laughs> so I think next year I'm going to have one filled out. We're going to fill one out together. Mm -hmm. First week of school, you know, in detail. And we might do it twice if they need it done. I just think I need to be more clear about that so it goes more smoothly. And it's going fine now. But it was a rough start in the beginning because yeah. they're not used to that. So practice projects are an, an issue in itself in music education. There are people who are pro-practice projects and people that are against. Yeah, it's, it's a weird debate. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so you like them? Um, I like them because I know that there are a lot of kids who will take it seriously. And they mm -hmm. do take it seriously and it gives them some sort of focus rather than just playing from measure one to the end of the piece because that's not helpful so it gives right. it really gives students a focus you know and I find even when someone's giving me instructions and when it's open-ended sometimes it's harder you know than yeah. having specific when people when your teacher directions. just says go practice yeah or like, like oh go write this essay really you know ambiguous mm -hmm. it's like sometimes it's nice to have some direction especially for middle schoolers so I've, because I've they couldn't even it. do the yeah they couldn't even do the practice journal without instructions. Yeah. So how do you think they're gonna practice their instrument? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm so with you on that gives, actually. Gives them a focus. Um, the downside is that you know they could just fake it, and also right. the downside is if they don't do it, then their grade. I mean, in my class anyway, um, their grade is affected a lot because that's a huge part of my class. Right. Other than you know just participating. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I've never done practice journals for that reason, because I just have a feeling that a lot of the times the kids will fake it and it won't be genuine. Yeah, it won't be genuine. But I do agree that it is nice to give them a guide to and like we need to teach them how to practice. Yes. Like you can't just go say, go practice. Mm -hmm. You have to teach kids how to practice. And I think that that's a big thing that I've gone over a lot in my classes this year. Yeah. And I want, I think I want to do even more of that. I talked about it a little bit, but again, I think they really need repetition and detail and reinforcement with all this new information. Again, especially for incoming sixth graders. Yeah. So just giving them examples of how you want things done. So it's, you know, super clear. Right. Right. All right, uh, here's our last question. And I typically ask a different kind of question, whether I'm talking to someone who's like a veteran versus someone who's a newbie like me. 
and we're like we're newbies. We are newbies. But there are even newer newbies out there trying to get jobs right now. Yeah. A lot of college kids listen to this podcast. So any advice that you can give some seniors in college, music ed guys looking to get a job? Sure. I mean, it wasn't that long ago for us. No, nope, it really it wasn't. Really wasn't. Um, yeah, I think I had my first interview in March. It was not a long time ago. Um, I think the biggest thing to remember is to... Um, well, first, let's start with when you're applying. Apply everywhere just to be safe at that point in your life. What else is going on that's more important than getting your interviews? So mm-hmm. apply everywhere, even if you're not sure you want to work there. I had interviews in Arizona. I, wow, really? I got I a job offer in Arizona, and I wow. almost took it. I'm so glad you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I didn't either. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Um, but exactly, like I mean, I I didn't apply in Arizona, but I applied <laughs> all over Virginia. Yeah, I just um, I went to a job fair, but that's cool. but yeah, like. You're saying apply everywhere. Apply yeah. everywhere. Just do it. You know, at this point, that is what's most important is that you're getting the interview, you're getting the FaceTime, so mm-hmm. more people know you, that you're going to job fairs, that you're putting yourself out there. And um, I went to job fairs where I knew they weren't even looking for strain teachers. I just wanted to practice, you know, talking to other teachers and getting used to the interview process. So that's a good thing to do too is just do it and do it and do it until you're tired of it. And then you'll feel so comfortable when you get an opportunity that you really care about so yes apply everywhere and then once you are actually in the interview um you know don't talk about all the things don't talk about the things that are on the paper you know in front of your uh the principal or whoever you know you're in the room with they can see those things so really let them in on things that they might not get from anything you wrote down like um experiences that Mm -hmm. had you know an impact on you or how something changed you or um uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> I had a thought. I had a thought about this. Um, oh, you have to let your interviewers know how passionate you are. Because at the end of the day, they want someone, you know, if they're, if they're doing their job right, they're going to look for someone who's passionate about what they're doing, who's going to come in excited and innovative and ready to, um, you know, just make things happen and be open to different ideas and, you know, having creative ideas as well. So letting, letting people know how passionate you are is what I would say for being in the interview. Yeah. Wow. Perfect. So, Carly Sokol. Yes. Excellent. Kevin Lynch. Thank you so much for doing this podcast. Before we go, okay. we need to do a rapid fire session. Okay. So, I'm not sure if you <laughs> ever listened to the podcast before, but with every single one of my guests, we do this thing called rapid fire, mm-hmm. where... I ask you a ton of questions, and you have to answer and say the first thing that comes to your head. Woo! Let's go. Are you ready? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Okay. Carly. Yes. What's your favorite band? Um, um, go, go, it's go. It's usually artists. Um, artists. Uh, John Mayer. John Mayer. Okay. Um, favorite car? Uh, Volvo. Volvo. Is that your dream car? Um, I had a Volvo S60. I really liked it. Mm. Yeah. I like okay. it. And now you have a Subaru, though. I do like Subarus. Yeah. I'm Subaru till I die, pretty much. It's a good choice. Okay. If you could recommend one book to our listeners, what would it be? Wow. Um. Wow, I don't know. I'd say, um, 
habits of good string teacher is good for if you're a string teacher. Mm, that is good. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. The last, like, I asked that question to the last three people. They all said Harry Potter. <laughs> I haven't even, like, read Harry Potter. But... <laughs> all right, Carly. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. And man, Carly was so great, and it was so good to have a friend on the show. It's a lot different to have friends on the show than someone that I don't really know. It's a lot more comfortable, and it's it's easier to talk to. So, really appreciate that. And uh, I've I've been pretty lucky here in, in where I'm living that I've got some good friends down here already. Got a, a nice group of friends, and Carly's definitely one of them. So, man, that was really great to have her on the show. This was a great episode. I'm glad I'm, I'm continuing to get these out. I'm telling you, it's not easy. I, uh, I've got a lot on my plate, but I really do enjoy doing this podcast, and I do really appreciate you guys listening. Go ahead and like us on Facebook if you haven't already, Tenuto Podcast, or follow on Twitter, at Tenuto Podcast, where I'm going to start tweeting out more things and, and be more active on there. So have a great week.